it's really that time. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the circumstance, Ryan and I have decided to proceed in a very specific way today. So, Ryan, I'll let you do the honors, my friend. Thank you, Ryan. So for everybody in the crowd, uh, everybody that's going to be listening to us on YouTube or wherever you're listening to this through, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Ryan. You can call me 2. You can call me Rated R. I've got a lot of names no matter where you know me from. I am a black man. And I'll be frank. I love hip-hop. I love writing. I love history. I love my God. That's true. And as you see me, I'm going to use the platform here on the Rap Clash podcast right now with my friend Arya. We're going to talk to you about what makes me and what makes him angry, what makes us upset. George Floyd, a 46-year-old black man like me, was killed on May 25th, 2020 in Minneapolis, Minnesota, after a white police officer knelt on his neck for almost nine minutes while he was handcuffed, face down on the street, calling for his mom. A senseless murder viewed by the entire world. But because of the color of my skin and the color of skin of this police officer, we have no idea if he will go to prison for it. But this isn't the first time that we talk about police killings and systemic racism. And I'm talking about the general conversation. Police beatings, killings, and assassinations go far back. I'm talking about martyrs and victims. Rodney King, Trayvon Martin, Mike Brown, Sandra Bland, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, amongst others. But black people have talked about this for years. We had the Civil Rights Movement and the Black Panther Movement. Movements that were seen as being so negative and so hated by the establishment that it led to the creation of SWAT from the police. The military police was called to create and to attack that. It branded Dr. Martin Luther King and Malcolm X as enemies. When they weren't, they were trying to push their people forward in this unjust system. Hip-hop has talked about it too. This music that I love, that Ariane loves, that we all love, is the number one music in the world, came from the ashes of the Bronx, the ones that the, that the establishment let burn. This is the same story as Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five talk about in The Message. This is the same story as public enemies fight the power. This is the same story as Tupac Shakur's changes. This is the same story as Black Thoughts rest in power. This is systemic racism at an international level propagated by the people at the top. So for all of us here at the bottom right now who are helping out or or are feeling this, those who are being true allies by having Blackout Tuesdays and removing derogatory comments from your mouths and your minds, helping out black, biracial, and people of color, I truly and sincerely thank you. We can't do it alone. That's what I've seen from my history. We can't be silent anymore. All of us, we gotta talk. What you're doing right now is saving a life before it gets taken away. So in the words of Jay-Z, allow me to reintroduce myself. I'm a black man will be one of your hosts for the Rap Class Podcast, a place where we will talk about these controversial things. But it will be the truth from our perspective, from every host that's going to come around in this show. Our hope is to have healthy dialogue for you and for myself and for everyone involved. We want you to feel like you're a part of the conversation while we talk about hip-hop, culture, and politics. And we may not all have the same opinion, but we will respect each other while doing it. And we will try to come to a solution together to all of these problems and put them into action. I'm sorry if you came to this episode today expecting us to talk about Doja Cat and Joyner Lucas. And we're sorry. But we're not upset 
by the fact that we get to use our voice today and to talk about a bigger issue. Because that's what all the guys before us, all the powerful artists and speakers talked about. Level playing field. Racial equality. So I'm proud to be in this position. To be a black man. Talking to my fellow man, Aryan. Talking to you as a viewer and as a listener. I'm proud that I get to use my voice. So let me welcome you to the Rap Clash. Where the revolution will not just be televised. But it will lead to the change we all want to see for a better world. And that's all I got to say for now. We got a full episode. We got a lot to talk about. Let's face it. There are a lot of people out there right now who are taking a very ignorant perspective on this. People that are coming from good hearts and still, for some reason, pushing the All Lives Matter agenda in the face mm -hmm. of the Black Lives Matter agenda. And I understand there are racists and then there are people who are confused and hopefully we can reach some of those confused people because mm -hmm. I want to let those people know, yo, this is not a time for fear. This it is, is definitely not. It's not a time to be confused. Mm -hmm. If you're feeling angry, if you feel like breaking shit, if you feel like yelling, if you feel like talking, if you feel like crying, if you feel like addressing things that are uncomfortable, this is the time. You know why? Because the media, technology has proved to us that there are so many people feeling just like me, feeling just mm -hmm. like you. Mm -hmm. You're sitting inside and things feel really, really, really fucking weird because yeah. we're all so separated physically. And we're convinced to believe that we're separated spiritually, emotionally, mentally, but that is not true. It is not true. That's why we're here to, to give us something to unite about, to talk about. And there's a point that you said right there that really touched me. People that are talking about all lives matter right now. I'm going to ask you a question, bro. You're not a firefighter. You're not. Mm -hmm. But if you're a firefighter and you see that there's a house on fire, are you going to put water on every house in the community or on the house that's on fire? Mm -hmm. Which one are you going to put the water on? Which, which one are you going to try to save? Now, think about that fire is just how black people have been feeling for like 400 years in America. That house has been on fire. That house has been on fire. And we've been talking about it. We've been quiet. We talk, like, people are talking about Kaepernick now. Oh, man, why aren't you guys were peaceful? We were peaceful with Kaepernick. And we were still told no. So what do people expect us to do when they see us rioting in the streets? I'm not rioting, personally, because that's just not who, what type of person I am. But if you're rioting because you're pissed off and you're protesting every single day in the streets because you feel like you're not heard, all power to you. Straight. I'm not going to be against you. That's your life, and that's the way you want to live it. But if you're telling me that all lives matter, I'm sorry, we've got a little problem here. Because all lives matter, but not all lives matter in the eyes of the police. Not all lives matter in the grand discussion of racial equality. There is a hierarchy here. And this hierarchy privileges certain people and denigrates other people. And depending on how you feel about the matter will tell you exactly where you stand in this hierarchy. If you're telling me all lives matter, chances are the system helps you. If you're telling me black lives matter, or people of color matter, that means the system doesn't help you intrinsically. It means that you're one of the people that's being offended by the system, that's being attacked by the system. And that's not fair to you. Uh, I do, I do want to say, so a couple days ago, I had a conversation uh, with an aunt uh, of mm -hmm. mine who is very candid, who's very open to having these conversations, and I love her for it. Um, unfortunately though, she did approach me with the perspective of all lives matter. Um, mm -hmm. and she hit me with that. And it's funny, like it's, well, 
She hit me with that as soon as I said, hey, this is what's happening in black America right now. And it came from a good place, but her automatic response was, hey, but don't all lives matter? And I, and I had to pause my auntie and say, yo, all lives do matter. Nobody's saying all lives don't matter. <laughs> We're, we know that. Like, you, why do you feel like question why you feel the need to address that when we are talking about a specific group of people. Yes. Yes. hundred percent. We can talk about Syria. We can talk about the Sikhs. We can talk about Muslims. hundred percent. How do we get to this systemically oppressed by literally getting to the root of what America stands for? Because America is a powerhouse. You are Mm -hmm. a commodity. You are making money for me and you get absolutely nothing out of it. Mm-hmm. And guess what? That sentiment is going to reside with you. It's going to reside with your grandchildren and your grandchildren's children. Exactly. Because here's the thing that people forget. When you're in the position of power, all right, some people get the opportunity to have generational wealth. So that's wealth that goes from one generation to the next generation to the next generation to the next generation. So that house that that person has been living in for the past eight generations they don't pay for that house. They may pay property taxes, but nothing more. Most black people don't have that generational wealth, but we have generational suffering. We have one generation that suffers. That's been transmitted to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation through all the bad stuff that's been multiplied over and over and over. And then they tell us your history doesn't matter. Your lives don't matter. So when you, I'm telling you black lives matter, it's not that I'm telling you all lives don't matter. No, I'm telling you black lives matter too. We're in the conversation too, because we feel as if our lives don't matter. We can, I can't go out. If, if I told my, my little brother who's in elementary school, you can't do anything that would get you killed. In the United States, he can't wear a hoodie. He can't go get Skittles. He can't go jogging. He can't even celebrate his own birthday. Because one of the, my favorite, and I'll tell you, one of my favorite music videos of all time, J. Cole's Crooked Smile. That, I remember back when I was 13, 14, listening to that track for the first time. I'm like, oh, man, this is a bop. That's how I found out how TLC existed, by the way. But... That track, when you look at the video, you're just like, wow. Police raid during a birthday? Like, you can't even celebrate your birthday. You can't just be yourself. How? That, that's not fair. It's truly not fair. Being black comes at a disadvantage. Being a person of color comes at a disadvantage. Being biracial comes at a disadvantage. Bro. It's absolutely scary how fear is ingrained within genetics. Mm-hmm. Like, understand where that comes from. It is. It's, it feels like it's just a part of being black now. But it shouldn't be. Not in a, in a country that says that everyone is free to be the person that they want to be, the freedom to go for the American dream. Because what people are living right now Black people are living right now. That's not the American dream. That's the American nightmare. Frankly put. And I wish I could help to a certain degree. And that's what we're doing with our platform. We're trying our best to make light of a situation. To spread a little bit of it. And let someone know. Hey. Maybe the way you're thinking about the situation. Is is wrong. And you need to be called out on it. I, I would gladly talk to anybody who believes that all lives matter. And I would gladly also talk to anybody who says that destroying our communities is a good idea. That we need to riot. Because I don't find that rioting and destroying our own community is the best way. I find peaceful protest is still quantifiably one of the best ways, but it's not the best way. Mm -hmm. I would say arguably one of the best ways to combat this, there are multiple different ways. First of all, Voting. Voting is important. If you don't vote, then your voice is automatically mute to the system. People are realizing that we have to change legislations. We have to change policy. We have to change where the money is going. Mm-hmm. 
and because people are people are forced to be violent now you have to understand like coming at somebody and being like guys don't be violent are you fucked up like are you kidding me right now you're telling somebody not to be violent and and they've felt like this for 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 like since they've been born yeah 400 years for 400 years of slavery you're gonna tell me not to be angry to go sit down be calm follow the law i'm sorry my parents came from central africa a country that was torn by war and came to canada came to america north america for a better life and I know there are definitely some immigrants that say, hey, why don't you just follow the law? You see, the reason that you came to this country is because people did. But people had to fight for that. And people are still fighting back home in our countries for a better life. But that oppression there is the same oppression here. A lot of our countries are being mishandled by the United States. We, a lot of people don't get that. There's still a fight that still needs to be had. That's on the grand scale, but on the smaller scale, that means we need to change the people on the small scale to the larger scale. Vote proper people. Talk to police officers. Strangely enough, I've had great relationships with police officers during both of my lives. Great encounters, but I've also had negative ones. And I always tell people, look, as much as I hate it, Try to have a positive relationship or a positive view of the police, but always be respectful of them. Super respectful. Because they literally have the power of life and death in their hands. Destroying our communities won't help. But I don't I don't think they should have that power. Like I understand that they're there to serve and protect. That's what their function is. You see, I wish I wish that was the way that Black people saw it now. But from all the police killings, that's the way that black parents are talking to their children. They have the power to kill you and get away with it. So you better be extremely respectful. Or you may not come home. And I've heard a parent say that to their child. And you don't know the pain and the anger that went through me when I heard that. How do you tell, like, how do you tell a 12-year-old, be careful, don't walk home alone, because I don't know if you'll be home. And this is in suburbia. We're not talking about the inner city where, like, no, we're talking about white suburbia. And I heard a mom have to say that to her child. That stuff doesn't happen. I'm not saying that the inner city is bad. I'm saying the inner city is great. But no matter where you are, whether you live in the inner city or the suburbia, racism still exists. I uh, so I need to. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Ariane. I want to. Uh, I wanted to address a point about uh, about voting. Mm-hmm. Um, you bring up a great point. It's extremely important to uh, acknowledge your body as something that you own, and then there are things outside of that that you own. Your signature. Is something that you own that makes a difference. What you mm-hmm. sign, what you buy, makes a difference. What who you vote for makes a difference. Mm-hmm. But here's what I'm going to just bring to awareness that let's be real. There are so many people that don't feel represented. I'll give you a quick example. I understand that I can vote. I have the power to vote and I have the power to create change. Great. But if the podium is filled with people who don't represent me or I feel like don't represent me, then me internalizing, it it makes my vote feel worthless. Mm -hmm. And and politics and politics must understand that. Mm -hmm. Because this is not the time to be putting forth supremacist agendas. This is not the time to be putting out elitist ideologies. Mm-hmm. This is specifically, specifically the time where you have to recognize, okay, there is potential in humanity. There is no potential in cutting everybody down to size until there's only a dozen or so people of your friends left on the planet and you're all rich as fuck. But yo, that is one lonely fucking place and you will become it alone very, very quickly world. without any differences. Differences is what makes us human. Exactly. Differences is what makes this. I wouldn't even. 
they call America a melting pot, right? Canada is not a melting pot. Canada is much more closer to a mosaic than anything else. It's like, okay, my piece just fits here, and I could fit beside this piece that looks completely different, and y'all make this giant flag of Canada of sorts. So, when I look at it, and I'm not saying, oh no, vote for the person who will, who looks the most like you, but vote for the person who will help you and your cause as much as possible. I am somebody who likes, who is fiscally conservative, right? I like to keep my money. I like not having money problems, but I'm also socially liberal. I know it. That's, that's just the way I see it. I want to change the police force. I want to demilitarize the police force. I want to render the police accountable for what they do. And I want to protect the lives of civilians. The person who doesn't have all of my beliefs and who is willing to change that and make that true systemic change is a lot closer to getting my vote. He's a lot closer to getting my vote because... When I got to pick between having less taxes and more lives, I'm going to pick more lives every day. And that's something that people don't understand. People on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and MySpace, I don't know who really is on MySpace anymore, but people are saying, what about the property being destroyed? What about the lives that are being killed? Isn't the life more important than a property? Am I just crazy to think about it? I'm sorry. I'm going to take the speaker off because I'm about to go completely off kilter. Isn't a life more important than a property? Am I going crazy to believe that? All right. Am I going crazy? You're not. Like, I, I thought this was basic, basic life, you know? Don't kill. Don't let people get killed. Don't help people kill. I thought that was basic life and how to keep people alive. Everything we do after that is how we live. Just make sure people are alive. That's my, that's my stance. And I'm bringing it back because I'm back. I'm going to be somewhat respectable in this entire thing. Cheat. But <laughs> silence is not the answer, man. I've realized that. I've always, I've never been someone who, who talks a lot about their beliefs or racial situations but i believe right now silence is not the answer it can't be because we've been quiet for too long and it's led to more deaths than it's led to lives saved i love that segue because here's why silence actually does the opposite here's why a lot of people took to social media to reflect on what trudeau did like literally how he reacted Cause I've watched that clip at least 40 times and our boy, our boy, Justin Trudeau walked up to the podium, was asked about his thoughts on Donald Trump's words. And the man did this one second of silence, dude, 20, 20 seconds of just posing in front of the camera, bro. Like I get it. A lot of people I, I've spoken to a lot of people who have said, I feel differently. I felt that he has to really watch his words at a time like this. But there are people in his party that have expressed denouncing Donald Trump. It was very easy for him to say. He could have even said, listen, what that man is doing right now is really fucking confusing. Mm. But he didn't. And that, that also says things. It says things. But I'm also not 100% mad at him for it. Okay. And the reason is I'm looking at it from also a political standpoint. This is your number one trade partner, right? This is as if you did something messed up and I was asked, what do I think about the messed up thing you did? We work together. I can't go out there and just be like, man, Aryan is a possibly racist horrible human being with no regard for human life and who doesn't care about people in general not a lot of i can't say that personally because you're not any of those things 
Trump may be, but he can, I can't say that if I'm the prime minister of Canada. If I'm Greg Popovich, the coach of the San Antonio Spurs, I can definitely say that. If I'm Bill Belichick, the head coach of the New England Patriots, I can definitely say that. Because here's the thing, I don't have the jaws of a thousand of thousands and hundreds of millions of Canadians on the line because we've all know, we all know how volatile Trump is. He could just be like, you know what? I'm cutting all ties to Canada tomorrow. And just sign an executive order to do it. Okay, but my my point is why are we why do we react in fear of that? Trade is off tomorrow. Let's say that happens. Let's say Trudeau denounces Trump. Trump goes, fuck you, Canada. Mm-hmm. And we're going to start closing deals that we had in the past. Why does that scare us? Like, why is that something to fear? It is something to fear because our economy is so tied to theirs. And it's something that's that's over 60 years in the making. 60, 70, 50. Since really the end of 1945, end of World War II. That we've been so connected to the United States. Take it in that we don't have nuclear armaments as a country. Because we use the American armaments. Like, it's, it's that type of dependence. We don't really, we have an Air Force, and it's a really good Air Force, but we use American fighter jets. So, we're so tied that it, it, it becomes a problem to untie. It would take so many years and so many different contracts to be reallocated and rechanged for that hap- for 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 what you're saying to happen. Okay. And I totally understand him on that. Good point. On Trudeau on that. The one silence I don't like, though, that I will call out are believers, Christians, who are quiet in this situation. Them, I'm going to call them out on it. Um, The other people who are silent that I will definitely call out are athletes, and personalities who know that there is a problem and they're quiet about it. Christians, let me explain why. Do you know what type of people helped out with the Underground Railroad, Aryan? Christians. Christians did a big job in the in the Underground Railroad. Do you know? Do, do you know the name of the Baptist minister that quasi led the civil rights movement? Doctor Martin Luther King, <laughs> Reverend Doctor Martin Luther King. So, and you're gonna tell me that Christians who believe in the Bible, who know the story of, of Jesus. He said, if I have ninety, if I have 100 sheep in a field and I lose one, I'm going to go look for that one. None of the other sheep said, what about me? None of them. They let the shepherd go get the other sheep. So why are some Christians just being like, we need to be quiet. We can't say much. Or it's not it's not an us problem. The minute you say that racism is not a you problem, you are a part of the problem. I've come to realize that. Second people, I said that I was gonna talk about their their silence mm-hmm. are athletes. You have your platform is so much bigger than ours. So much bigger than most people. Your name, you can have a brand name. And there are athletes who have literally given up basically their entire careers. Are there athletes who are actively keeping silent right now? Um, so, <laughs> when we were preparing this episode, the one athlete, one of the athletes who was extremely silent and I thought was almost disrespectful was the New Orleans Saints quarterback, Drew Brees. Now, in between the time, and take it in, we planned this episode in maybe, what, three days? Mm-hmm. Less than three days. He put out a statement saying, I can't accept anybody disrespecting the flag by kneeling for it. Something along those lines. Getting called out by literally everybody. Mm-hmm. Including LeBron James. Including other NFL players. Indirectly by Aaron Rodgers. Him recanting his statement. And apologizing for it. In the span of like three days. And he plays for the New Orleans Saints. A city in a state that has a large amount of black people. And he is a white quarterback. He should not have been quiet in the first place. And he should not have said what he said in the first place. But me, as a Saints fan, 
I will continue supporting the Saints because what Gail Benson is doing, yeah. shout outs to her. She's she's amazing. But Drew, I man, I ask anybody who knows me, they know I rock my Saints hat with pride. But man, I was so disappointed in Drew Brees. I was. And then I was more disappointed. Now I'm a little happier the fact that he said something positive, but still it should not have gone that far. Shouldn't have taken all this time. A lot of artists have a lot of um athletes have been relatively quiet until their publicist said so. Hockey has been very quiet until their publicist said okay. So maybe in the past two, three days you've seen more athletes talking about it now that the riots are touching their cities. So you think they're listening less to their own body, mind and spirit and they're following a status quo that wants to that has literally convinced them that they need this system in order to basically make a living or to sustain sustain their current lifestyle. Exactly. Because athletes know that the minute you talk about race relations in America, you become an enemy of the establishment. Because mm-hmm. let's look at the. Like, we, we, yep, we've seen that with Colin Kaepernick. We we saw the discrimination he faced. Mm-hmm. Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali was literally he went to jail because he didn't want to go to Vietnam. Like, he, like the minute you talk about race relations in America, you are an enemy, and any athlete that's attached to that is almost seen as an enemy. Look, one of the most controversial cases in American history is the O.J. Simpson trial. Why? Not because it's a famous, um, what's it called, football player who killed his ex-wife and her supposed boyfriend. Allegedly, right? Allegedly. Allegedly. We don't know what happened. We don't know he was acquitted. But it's because it was a famous black man who killed a white woman. That's it. That, that's really it. And it divided America. O.J. Simpson went from being the most loved person in America to one of the most loved to one of the most hated in the span of a year. Not even weeks. And to this day, we still talk about the O.J. Simpson case. We still talk about how it divided America. Obviously, power is a lot more complex than the two points I'm about to bring up. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are two reasons why a person in power thrives mm-hmm. and it's because of their perceived power and their perceived power can be based loosely on two things. One, the people who extend his power by acting upon his beliefs that they support. And the mm-hmm. second people who are completely silent and are very fearful of addressing that power mm-hmm. because could- silence fuels mm-hmm. power. So, like, I don't. I don't know how else to end that sentence. No, I think I understand. Like, okay, let me let me let me add some context to it. If Donald Trump came to you and said, "I am the president of the United States," all right, bow down to me. Does that mean anything to you? Uh, no, not no. really, because you're Canadian. It doesn't mean shit to me. <laughs> it absolutely doesn't mean anything to me. Fuck that I, guy. I'll really look at him face to face, and I'll be like. You should salute to me. You should be saluting to me after what you said today on CNN, which is something else I could talk. We could talk about later. Um, but humans, us, we give power to a king. We forget that. And I had to learn that through one of yeah. my favorite movies of 2018, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, dog. Yeah, yo, for real. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still such a big fan of that soundtrack. Oh, that soundtrack slaps, Bro. dog. I feel like I already know that after this episode, I'm going to go listen to an entire soundtrack from top to bottom. It is beautiful. It is probably, to me, in my opinion, it's one of Kendrick's best work. It is. It's a beautifully produced album, lyrically, sonically, an incredible piece of work that literally, like, it outlines exactly what he's been feeling as a black person all his life. And the the most brilliant part is he put those sentiments and attached them to a major movie, like a major mainstream a major movie. movie, a major character. And let's just like I'm 
let's look over like I could look over the track listing real quick, but off the top of my head, all the stars with SZA, banger, X, banger. Are you on ten yet? King's dead. King's dead, banger. The amount of bang- pray for me with the weekend, banger. The amount of bangers on this album. He has more bangers on this album than he does on his own albums. Someone prove me wrong. You can't. Because that's the truth. That's the hard line truth. But the power is given by the people. We give power to the people. We tell Kendrick Lamar that Kendrick Lamar is a great rapper. It's not Kendrick. It's not Drake. Okay, maybe they tell themselves that in the mirror. Every rapper tells themselves that they're the best rapper in the world. Shoot, I tell myself I'm the best rapper in the world when I'm in front of my mirror. I can spit better than anybody in this game. But that's not... We give that validation because we pay with it with our money. We we stream their stuff. We follow their podcasts. We listen to their music. We buy their merch. Yeah. And it's the same thing as when you have a president or a nation or a political official. When you buy into the mantra, into the stuff that they endorse, you give them power. So instead, to me, the focus to end systemic racism, give power back to the people. And let's build up in our communities, leaders for our communities. Bro, let's rebudget. Let's look at where all the money's flowing. Let's be very candid about that. Let's be very honest about mm-hmm. where the fucking money's flowing. Things why do we have why do we have York U divest protests every single year at York University? Why is it that a, like a small group of people get together every single year and say, "Yo, we need to stop investing in weapons." <laughs> bro, like my university is investing in weapons every year, bro. What? What? That's why my courses cost a thousand dollars a piece, like twelve hundred, thirty, fifteen hundred a piece. I wish, honestly, one of the many, many people we need to bring on this show is Ron, is Miss Rhonda P. Lenton, president of York University. If you ever showed up on the show, I'd have serious <laughs> questions to ask. Yo, like, roll through, Rhonda. I yo, this? trust, come. I got the order set for you, fam. <laughs> Just cut. You can roll in with your Maybach. It's okay. I'll even have a place to park it for you so that no one's gonna destroy it. I promise. You know, please <laughs> come through. And if you don't feel like coming over to anybody's houses, yo, we got Zoom. We got we could do this via Zoom. Shoot, <laughs> if you don't even like Zoom, we'll do it via Skype for you. We will gladly bring you on. We'll bring you on. We'll bring that porn on at the same time. John Tory too. Everybody, everybody, come on the. Everybody come over. Everybody gets the, their fair share. Now I want to touch on. Um, your mosaic, your piece about the mosaic in Canada, because I thought that was a very beautiful idea. Um, however, obviously, we know that racism exists, partly because a lot of us have ex- experienced it here in and around Toronto, GTA, Mississauga, uh, Brampton. You know, when you go, when you go, like, go to Malton, go to Rexdale, right? Go, like Sandalwood, like, the, like these are boroughs where people have. Exp- that, that people experience racism every single day not just by cops i can give you a great example a friend of mine brought up how he went to a school called mayfield it was an art school but it was a predominantly white school and how people were openly racist at mayfield people who don't did not give a fuck and they use it as a, 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 to diffuse um any sort of tension but it created more tension it always did mm-hmm. let's talk about it how do you feel um, about Canada and racism? This is a heavy topic. Because I love, I love my country. I love its history. And that's why I'm asking you because I know from our, from our previous conversations, you're definitely somebody who sticks to the Canadian identity. Somebody who, mm. who backs the Canadian identity. Because let's face it. A lot of us left our home countries, our parents, our grandparents left our home countries to find a whole different identity because the identity we were attached to in our home countries just wasn't it. So So how do you feel about that? How do I feel about Canadian racism? So 
one of the many ugh, it hurts i would say like i personally haven't been a victim of canadian racism it hurts because it's not like the united states where they will shoot you in the streets it's not like that it's not, i don't think it's anywhere near that problem but it's a lot more submersive subversive in the sense that it's a teacher saying, wow, you're so smart for a black kid. Or not getting a job because your name is different. People openly insulting your last name. It's happened to me multiple times. But I think it, in Canada, the racism is a lot more soft and a lot more emotional than anything else. Like, I don't know from your perspective, you have a very dis different perspective than mine. What, how would you call Canadian racism? Because I have some other examples from some other people, but I want to hear what you have to say first. Okay. Well, uh, generally, because I am still going to work, I'm commuting, um, I am experiencing a lot of prejudice. Uh, there are a lot of people who jump to conclusions very easily. People are stressed. People are frustrated. They're trying to balance work, family. Uh, their pocket like pe people don't have money first off let's be honest uh money or lack of stresses the fuck out of people it puts them in head spaces they shouldn't be in especially when you've dealt with trauma you've dealt with mental illness and you've been trying to heal so in the face of that and like it's it's something very 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 small it's that those 10 seconds of racism comes from like okay, I want to go home because I'm done work and I just really want to get home and I'm like, I just want to be off the road because, oh my God, the road stresses me out, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm a brown guy and I see a black man who is equally frustrated, probably doing the same kind of job I'm doing, but I see mm -hmm. him speeding and trying to get in front of me because he wants to get home. But I'm like, yo, fuck you, bro. What the fuck? And then I'm thinking, okay, he's a black guy. He's probably a hood. He's he like, you know, he, he this and that. And the third, but you literally were stressed out yourself and you didn't even, you, you just jumped to conclusions. You didn't consider anything. Yeah. You just made up this guy's like this guy in a whole different vehicle than you. You just made up in your mind an entire, and I, an entire universe. Where this person is a hood, where this person is a gangster. I want to encourage people to question where that comes from. You have you have a brain, you have a spirit. Please find it in yourself to question where your thoughts are being produced, and and mm. where that where that energy is coming from. Where how man how why look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself for a second because there is love inside that body of yours. Mm -hmm. It's not just hate. There is anger. There's frustration. And hate comes out in, in very destructive ways. But we've heard that, yo, words cut, you know, actions cut. Mm -hmm. When you give me a gesture, you can't take it back. When you say something very, really, really hurtful to me, you can't take it back. It's there now. Mm -hmm. You know? So when it comes to things like, yo, destroying our own communities. Because let's face it, there are, very, there are, there are videos out there, and we can cite them. There are videos out there right now of frustrated white boys from really dope like good how good homes but they're frustrated at their parents for whatever reason what, whatever displaced anger they have they're using that connecting it to a black lives matter movement mm -hmm. going into other marginalized communities lower income mm -hmm. communities and literally destroying shit in many black communities your neighbor and i'm not sure if this happens in the brown community but i know back when I was a kid, back when I used to live like in, in Scarborough. And we had a lot of people from the, from the community where I'm from live very close. So if I ever did a, something bad around their houses, you know what would happen? They would punish me like I'm their own child. Hmm. And that doesn't, that doesn't change from one community to another from what I've noticed. Hmm. Let's say, by example, my, one, of my, one of my brothers called Jay. Love him. Okay, I call him a brother. If he has kids, like if he had kids and they came to my house and broke a vase, I would punish them just as much as I would punish my own kids. <laughs> I'd be like, go up to your room. I don't have a room. Go up to the room. Pick a room. Oh, Stay there. I thought no you were just going to hand out ass whooping straight up. 
No, but like I would punish a kid like it's my own kid. And that's how it worked back in the day. And it's the same way that it works. Now, Take, takes a village to raise a off. child, sort of. Exactly. Everybody everybody in the community raises a child. Now, I put the speaker down because the pot filter down because I need to make sure that people understand the words that are about to come out of my mouth. Preach. There is racism in Canada. The systemic racism in Canada is atrocious. It is it's not the same thing as the United States, all right? Because when we do have racism, the one thing that I do apply Canada for is that at least we know when we see atrocious systemic racism, mm-hmm. oh, the people will call out the government on it, and the Charter, the Canadian Charter of Rights and Liberties will hand out the butt-whooping of a lifetime to the government. I'm thinking about the Saskatoon freezer deaths do you do, have you heard of those before elaborate on that saskatoon freezer deaths you say in the i'm 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 paraphrasing what it was mm-hmm. so in saskatoon basically between the, the 70s 80s 90s 2000s police officers would take indigenous men and women who were charged with disorderly conduct or uh drunkenness public drunkenness put them in their cars unlawfully, take them out outside of the city and leave them there to die basically of hypothermia. To just walk and freeze to death. Walk and freeze. Okay? That's systemic racism. Because this is not happening to white people. This is not happening. I'm looking at the Japanese internment camps of the 1940s and 50s where and even after the internment camps stuff that we don't talk about but I had the honor of working with amazing people who told me the story did you know that after those internment camps a lot of Japanese Canadians who had maybe never even touched Japanese soil were told you either stay in the camp after World War II or you go back to Japan some of them can't even speak Japanese one of the famous stories, one of the girls had to go back to Hiro- Hiroshima. Because that's where her like ancestral family was from. There is racism. Black people, Africville, Nova Scotia, an entire community was destroyed and bought for pennies on the dollar. Even though black people had been there for years. Since slavery, before even slavery ended. And it was destroyed in the 1960s. Stop. There is systemic racism. Yo, and also, it's really funny that uh, you bring this up because to me, like, to me, systemic racism is also in learned behaviors. Mm-hmm. Addictions, that's systemic. Mm-hmm. When you're not making, when, you're, when you don't have access to certain education, mm-hmm. to certain resources, to knowledge, and you get stressed, what do you... You're falling into habits and nobody's helping you heal from these habits. No one is helping. The like the, the alcohol, like the alcohol consumption rate over here is nuts. The people the amount of people who smoke is nuts. Like youngins, bro. Yeah, like we have they're like 12, 13 year olds. Like I've seen 12, 13 year olds drink. And me having to tell them that that's not for you, dog. And, and I feel like, yo, I feel like shit about it because, yo, I want to teach these kids how to start making money. I want to teach these kids how to start getting off the drugs. And when you have a conversation with them, they listen. And then, and then I literally had a conversation with, with, with a youngin last night. And he's like, yo, but to be honest, I'm probably going to drive to a gas station and buy a pack of bogeys anyway. And I'm like, okay, then we can't talk anymore because you're not, you're not ready to heal. You're not ready to heal. And you're, you're bringing me to another case of systemic racism. The residential schools. Oh, yeah. Remember when I was telling you about generational pain? It could be summarized in, in Canada. It's the residential schools. Because do you know how many suicides attempts, mental health issues came from those schools where they literally beat and tried to kill the Indian and the child. That those are their words, not mine. Hmm. Yeah, and it's now, yeah. Now, it's, now, these are parents, le- yeah. I went to residential schools. 
parents that went to residential schools. They're transferring that to their children, who will then go to residential schools, and now the residential schools are over, thank God, but now they have to suffer in those consequences. They have to suffer with the trauma, with with poverty. That's what I'm saying. Yo, if you're an ally to this right now, no matter what color creed you are, I don't think there's a single person, single black person right now, who's saying, we won't support you. I'm looking right now at, you know, my indigenous brothers and sisters in Canada, and I'm like, yo, I support y'all. Let's find, I want a, I want a, a whole, I want a country inquiry, national inquiry on the 4,000 plus indigenous women that are missing. I want that. I want to figure that out. I want to know why the Rohingya are not being, why nothing's being done in their case. You know, I want to know what's going on all over the world. So tell me, just tell me what you think. We as Canadians have a very special position for a very long time. We've marketed ourselves to the world as the multicultural platform of the world. You can come here as anybody and be anybody you want. And right. Like, and we have very basic, basic behaviors of what a Canadian is, right? We care. A Canadian is somebody who cares. A Canadian is somebody who gives a Canadian is somebody who loves a Canadian is somebody who rejoices in the celebration of everybody. Mm -hmm. But when we market these things, to bring people over mm-hmm. and they have this beautiful vision about what Canada is going to offer to them and they get here and you realize that a lot of the stuff that's happening here is kind of the same shit. If not worse, we had one of the biggest child pornography scandals of the decade yeah. that took place in Toronto. We had the one of the world's biggest child pornography busts with a whole ring of people that were involved in smuggling, trading, and actively being involved in the sexual molestation of children, of little mm-hmm. girls and boys. Bruh. And here... And it is something. It yo, is something. This, I'll, I'll, don't talk about it. Bro, I want to put this energy out there and it's going to be a very, like it's go, it's going to be a shock factor sort of deal but yo but this is just what I'm hearing okay these are words coming out of people's mouths people that I'm having conversations with one guy I respect him a lot but I I won't blast him on this his words these are this is his words you know what he said he's like bro you know what I think about Canada I was like what he's like you know who Canada is Canada is that one brother that's living in the apartment above the meth lab Sounds about right. And I, I am someone who's pro Take, Bro, think about All that for a second. Know. Think about what kind of interests we are supporting here by being silent. Just, mm-hmm. just letting you guys know. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it from the perspective of a historian, all right? Having worked with amazing historians, amazing people in my lifetime. Canada's history isn't rose. It's not roses. It's not golden. It is murky and disgusting to a certain extent. Like some of the stuff that you, when you read about Egerton Ryerson, John A. MacDonald, their beliefs, you're just like, what country am I in? And what values were they built on? But I don't think that's the end of the Canadian story. I agree. I, I agree like so much on that. Yeah. The, the Canadian story is, I remember back maybe two, three years ago, when we were just celebrating Canada 150, Canada 150. To me, Canadian history starts over 10,000 years ago with the indigenous peoples of Canada. First Nations, Inuits, that's where it starts. We have a country, you know, the European conceptualization of a country 150 years plus ago. Mm-hmm. But the story of what Canada is and will be, that's on us. That's on our generation. That's on the next generation. 
Because the children of immigrants, we're up. It's up to us. I think we need I think we need even younger people because I think I think we have better ideas to be honest. We just have ways to make different connections. There there's mm-hmm. a lot of things we tie to the economy and there's a lot of things that kids it, those ideas don't resonate with kids anymore because th- these are outdated ideas to say that one thing affects something else in a linear motion. It's just it it's not possible because the economy is a bunch of gears and everything's being affected. So everything if we can being affected some way somehow. we can take the gears and we can play around with them. I've said this countless times and there are people who've gotten like pissed off that I would even say something like that because to them in their mind it renders as unintelligent. Mm-hmm. The idea that you can literally take something apart and restructure it in a whole different manner to perform a whole to to perform a better function yeah that's what needs to be why is that such an outrageous idea it's not an outrageous idea because that's exactly what i'm saying with black lives matter these divide and conquer tactics that have been used for 400 plus years to, to add to systemic racism it's through breaking these down that we're able to learn from them and to add them and to, to make sure that these same institutions are able to help people in general. And I'm not talking about just black people. I'm talking about biracial people, people of color, brown, white, Cuban, Asian, everything that, and my, uh, that Will Smith talked about in his song Miami, all of it. Everybody can be helped if we look at these tactics and break them down and learn from them. Hey, we're all humans. Stand up for one another. We're not taught that. And that's something that we need to teach the next generation. That's what we need to learn. And we need to stand up for one another, no matter where you're from. Dude, we've been taught we've been taught to hate ourselves. We've been taught to overthink about our about our identity uh, and like, oh, maybe I should keep my mouth shut because I'm not completely acknowledged like uh, knowledgeable about what's happening in this specific matter. It's like, bro, you don't need I don't give a like say something anyway. That belief is ignorant. I don't know enough. Talk so that you can get educated. Talk so that somebody can correct you. Talk so you can ask. How can how else do you improve? How can I help you? Try to improve yourself and improve your brothers and sisters in humanity. Like it's not hard. It's not a problem. If 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 somebody who was you know Caucasian came to me and told me, hey. I want to understand the Black Lives Matter movement. I won't be offended. I will not be offended. I will be happy to tell you where it started, how it started, what it means to me, what it means to black people in general. See, it is, people don't. Hard. I 100% I agree. I, I think people have a very hard uh, time coming to terms with their, uh, their rigidity. You know how in, in like adult psychology... Um, it said that it's very much harder to try and change an adult than it is a kid because a kid is like an elastic band. He's there, right? They're they're still forming, and then a huge, but but a full grown adult, they've already formed and they've become very rigid. But for some reason, I don't believe in this, and I'll tell you, and I'll tell you why I believe. Like I tell you why I believe in the complete opposite. Nature doesn't allow for rigidity whatsoever. Nature bends, nature moves, right? Like wood, wood is different in the winter than it is in the summer. It expands and contracts. Look, if you look at the way bridges are made, if you made a bridge to be rigid, it would be, it would destroy. It would be like, it, it would break down. Yeah. The, right? The what, temperature fluctuations and everything. Try the this. Would- if you've ever walked over a bridge over a river... Try jumping on the thing. It will move. It moves because it's it's made that way. It's made to move. It it's needs made to be flexible. It's made to be flexible so that it can last longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. And that's what we need to teach the next generation and teach ourselves as well. Dude, I don't I don't know, man. See, like for so I was very passionate about being an educator, and I am no like I'm so far far removed from that path now. I, to, for me, I just hope that people learn that, yo, there is strength in 
and still being curious, you know, and still say mm-hmm. there's strength in saying, okay, I didn't know about this. Let's learn There's strength in, yo, I was wrong about this for 10 years. And now my perspective has completely changed. There's, there's power in that, man. There's yeah, no power. There's no power in, oh, this, your belief is yours. Mine is mine. I'll, there's no change there. Nobody wins from that. Nobody wins. Look, Aryan, we don't have the same beliefs in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. We don't. But you know why I consider you a friend and why I consider that we work very well together? It's because we both have this mentality that no matter what your different pr- perspective is, I want to respect it and understand it. Yeah, man. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, I think of you like I think of a watchmaker. Like, you know, the amount of precision and technique and the intricacies of a watch. You do that in terms of arguments and in terms of people's psychology and the way that they think about the world. And that's what I like about you. That's why I like talking to you because I'm the same way. I try to understand why in the world do you think like this? Maybe I'm thinking about it wrong. Because every watch in the world, most watches don't give the same time. But it's by working and looking at different watches that we're able to get the right time. Yeah. We can maneuver we can maneuver those gears to shift in sync. In sync, exactly. And and that's that's the type of stuff that I love talking about. And the fact that we're talking about it right now, that we're talking about race, that we're talking about these divide and conquer tactics, systemic racism, silence, destruction of our communities, all lives matters, black lives matters. It's not just us shooting the breeze. Let's talk about those divide and conquer tactics. Okay, so just off the top of your head, what are some tactics uh, you've seen or, or witnessed uh, that are displayed um, against the Black Lives Matter movement? I'm not calling anybody out specifically, Fox News. <laughs> But just, I see it. And it's just blatant. The media telling me, oh, well, these rioters are trying to take over America. No, they're not. No, they're not. That's not their goal. I also... Their goal is just to feel heard. The media is one of the biggest divide and conquer tactics that you can use. To spread misinformation, to spread division, to spread hatred over the media. Don't even get me started about Fox News, fam. Like I'm not a, I'm not someone who who listens to CNN forever. Like I don't like the CNN either. I but, don't like the but Fox the rhetoric, but tuning, either. but yo, you know what? Tuning into those programs is so important I, for the psyche. I for like, the I like tuning into both of them because I like seeing both extremes. And when I figure out both extremes, I'm able to find out the common ground, and that's the information that I need. Because you never know when things will start making sense to you when you start like when you when you start really absorbing the rhetoric. And mm-hmm. every fiber in your body is like, yo, what the fuck? Right? That's There's a problem here. Like, people forget. Media is a business. And they want you to tune into their business. And especially in this Black Lives Matter, this is for anybody who's going out there protesting or talking about it. Look, the media is a business. And they need commentators to say wild things so that people will tune in. Oh, dude. You don't get that. It's so bad that the people who are making these claims, some of them aren't, they, they may not even be they inherently racist, but back. they know, but they don't give a fuck. The, what is important to them is TRP, the numbers, the people mm-hmm. tuning in who are reacting because they, because they want to catch reactions. They exactly. want people like while people wilding out is the best thing to happen for news, bro. It's exactly the best thing. Dividing that's the, one of the biggest divides. When was peaceful news interesting? You know, peaceful news is not interesting. Okay, that's Good Morning America. Do you know how many people really watch Good Morning America and just like, oh my goodness, I can't wait for Good Morning America? Nobody does that. I don't know a single person that does that. It's not fun. It's not interesting. But hearing about breaking news, prime time, six p.m. with Wolf Blitzer, that. That will catch anybody's attention, you know. But like, just all there's so much to talk about when it comes to Black Lives Matter. There's so much to talk about with the rap clash in general. 
and I don't, and I know the conversation doesn't end at the end of this episode, but it's possible. I have hope. I have faith that I will see in my lifetime a world where black, white, brown, Asian, Hispanic, everything, everyone from every different place in race and culture can sit down at a table, eat some good food, and not kill each other. Bro, the last time I had a barbecue with Dominic. Don't get me started. I want a barbecue more than you would ever imagine, my dog. I'm so disappointed in myself. <laughs> bro, Cabana, bro. Don't talk to me about it. We've got so many things to talk about. We're so deprived. <laughs> we really, truly are deprived at this point. Bro. I don't know what to do about it, man. But, um... We've come to our to the end of our episode. Welcome and thank you again for joining us for our first episode of the Rap Clash Podcast. Trust me, it's been an honor to be here with my boy Aryan. Just honestly, he's he's been with me for for a long time, just working with the blog and talking to me about ideas. Like some of my favorite articles to write have actually been ideas that you've given me. So big shout outs to Bro. you on that. And we'll keep on writing the blog. Every single week. Don't worry about it. It's still here. Please tune in, guys, because these are some incredible ideas that are being Let's shared. Tune in. We'll also have just live reactions every single week. We'll have news. We'll have hard-hitting stuff. This is a arguably longer episode than I think we both expected it to be because it's a big thing to unload. It's a big thing to talk about. Yeah. But we hope that these the next who knows how many episodes are going to be. Brother, amazing. I appreciate and you so much for having the courage to voice yourself right now during this time because I know there's a lot of people who do who do feel the need to be silent and not not in agreement with the Black Lives Matter movement because they they just don't have the words. But lucky for me, and this is something you guys are going to realize by watching this show. I've got a whole lot of rap quotes because I think we all need it. Whether you're an ally or you're a black person, we all need this. What did you know? We've been hurt, been down before. When our pride was low, looking at the world like, where, where do we, we go? go? And we hate Popo. Wanna kill us dead? The street, street for show. I'm at the preacher's door. My knees getting weak, and my gun might blow. But we, we gon' gonna be all right. Ooh. We gonna be all right. Hey. We gonna be all right. We got this. We gonna be all right. Lee would love. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you again for listening to the Rap Clash podcast. Like, share, and subscribe. Ring the notification bell for everything that you need to know from us. This is the Rated R. You'll have my socials at the bottom in the description. You'll have Arian's socials as well. Don't worry about it. Thank you, Arian. Do you have any last words to tell everybody before we go out? Bro, shine. Simple. (laughs) (laughs) Be a light in the world because you can. Nothing but love for all of you. Ariane, nothing but love, Captain. You know how we do. Thank you very much, and good night. Good night, brother.